Hi and welcome back to another episode of Sounds Like These. I am Lara Magnelli and I'm your host. This podcast is by ICMP London. We are a music university based in Queen's Park and Kilburn in West London and we offer a huge variety of courses. If you're not familiar with us yet, I would strongly recommend you to check out our website icmp.ac.uk or simply look for ICMP London on any social channel. This time I had the immense pleasure to speak to Jasmine Hodge, head of PR at the Music Federation. Jasmine came over to ICMP for a very important event that our students actually organized a few months back. It was an event to raise awareness about sexual misconduct within the music industry. Jasmine was our guest speaker. And just by listening to her and feeling the energy and passion and determination, literally every word she was saying was conveying, I thought I must have her on the podcast. Jasmine started out in the business as a music journalist. She was literally driven by her passion for music. She calls herself a fun girl in the best possible way, and I completely agree with that because I feel like I'm one as well. And this is what drove her to become a music journalist, literally being surrounded by bands, hanging out with your favorite artists, and being surrounded by music. She then moved on quite quickly. She's only 24 years old and has already a head of PR job for the Music Federation. But that's not it. Jasmine is involved in many more initiatives, many of them actually aiming at fighting sexual misconduct, gender inequality, and much more within the music industry. We chatted about music, gigs, being a woman in the industry, how women are treated in the industry, and also about being yourself. Being yourself seems to be a very, very strong motto that Jasmine follows. She said something like, if an employer sees what I post on social media and they don't like it, maybe that's not the right employer for me. That was a really strong statement for me, especially because I was definitely not like that when I was 24 years old. I really want to thank Jasmine for her time. I had a lot of fun talking to her and I think you will really love this chat. As always, if you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast to not miss any episode and thanks for listening. Hi Jasmine, how are you? Hello, I'm good thank you, how are you? Yeah, all good. Thanks for um, joining me today. Um, I was really keen to talk to you because you've come to ICMP recently Mm -hmm. for a very important and special event. Yes. Um, And I have, I was not there, but I have listened to the, uh, to the recording of the event. And I was really, really keen to talk to you about some of the matters that you touched on during this Mm -hmm. event, but also just in general about your career, because I've been you know, stalking you on social yes. media as you do <laughs> and and looking you up. And it's just, you've got this energy that, um, I don't know, I just, it's just, it seems like everything you do, even when you're like sharing, you know, something really simple and about your life, yeah. it's just full of like enthusiasm and, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just, I just wanted to talk to you because I think, yeah, it could be really inspiring yeah. for... Um... Well, I think that that's something that the music industry is definitely lacking is the enthusiasm. I think a lot of people get into working in the industry and just kind of lose their love for music. So, mm-hmm. which I don't think I ever will because as you've obviously seen with my Instagram, I'm just like out at gigs all the time and just like 
I will never ever get bored of it. Like it's just something I'm always going to be doing until I physically can't do it anymore. It's the dream. That's why yes. I was like, I really want to leave your life. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll get into that. So I think it makes sense to start from the love of music. That's kind of like the common, you know, element among mm-hmm. all the episodes. First thing I want to know is which was your first gig? So my first gig, I was like tiny. I think I was maybe like two or three years old and I went to go see Public Enemy. (laughs) So that was my first ever gig, um, which is a pretty cool one to be fair. Um, But I don't really remember it because I was teeny tiny. Um, But the one that that stuck out in my memory the most is like when I was the youngest, but actually old enough to remember it, is I went to go see a band called Group Love um, in Aldershot. I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, They're doing quite well now. Um, And it was just after their debut album came out. And I saw them in older shot with like maybe like three or four other people in the room. And I just remember it being like one of the loudest gigs because there's no other people in the room to like soak up the noise. So it, I remember leaving and my eardrums were just like ringing. Um, but that, so Public Enemy was my first gig, but Group Love was the first one that like was like prominent in my mind. That you remember. So yes. who took you to Public Enemy? My parents and my dad has taken me to, yeah, yeah, yeah. So my dad has taken me to like all of my gigs and was, as I was growing up, um, the poor bastard had to drive me there and (laughs) stand at the back, not drinking and then drive me home again. (laughs) It's, it's amazing though. Like you're lucky. I'm glad. So I guess your love for music also comes from your family. Yeah, I'd say so. Like, um, I mean, my dad was always buying like Enemy every week, and then I would read it when he was finished with it. Um, so that's ultimately where my love of music came from. Because my family aren't musical. Like, none of them can sing. None of them can play any instruments. Like, they're all terrible singers. Um, but a big music loving family. So that's where it initially all came from. And what about you? Like, do you play or sing or? God, no, absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Literally the last thing you'd want to hear. I am I'm desperate to learn the harmonica. That's something that me and my housemate have been talking about because she wants to learn guitar. So we're hoping by like the end of the year that we can maybe play a tune together. Um, but I think harmonica is like, it's weird, but I think it's like the sexiest instrument in the world. So I really want to learn how to play it. Okay, okay. <laughs> it's not a very popular opinion, but it's my opinion. So that, No, I, I, uh, I get the, uh, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Good luck. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> it's a hard one to teach yourself as well because it's so small and it's yeah difficult. And I've got a harmonica, but I know nothing about them, so I don't know what tune it's in. Like it's just a cheap one, so I've got no idea. But yeah, watch this space. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, I can't really help. So because I'm the same, yeah. same as you, like big mu- music fan, but I cannot play anything. So it's yes. uh, yeah. Don't ask me. <laughs> so of course this is kind of like connected to my next question which is uh-huh. you wanting to become a journalist so how did that come about and what did you do about it yeah so like I said I was going to all these gigs when I was younger with my dad and basically I should be watching all these bands and just thinking I really want to hang out with them I really want to drink beer with them I really want to party with them like how do I do that but also make some money from doing it. (laughs) So I decided I wanted to become a journalist. Um, I loved writing anyway, like at school, I always loved essay writing. I was a proper nerd. And like when I was at uni, I loved writing my dissertation. Just, I just always loved writing. So I could just combine those two passions. And um, yeah, so I like started up my own blog and just started reviewing like songs that are on the radio or like if there was like a radio premiere I would like listen to that and then write the review so it was out before the track was out the next day um just to build like a little sort of portfolio of my writing and then once I had that online and it was so simple like just started like a free blog um 
and then once that was online then I just started like messaging out to like PRs and stuff and just being like can I come and interview this band that I really love and then yeah just went from there just hanging out with the bands that I really liked yeah and again I I know what you mean I was gonna say how how did you find the confidence to just like you know approach PRs and just say this is what I'm doing you know can you let me in can I review the gig and so on yeah, I mean, I suppose I've always been quite a confident person in that sense anyway. Um, I don't really tend to embarrass easy, which is quite good in my line of work. <laughs> um, so it was never really an issue for me. And also because the first communication is always by email. Um, so it kind of took out that sort of face-to-face nervousness, if that makes sense. Um, so yeah, just doing it all online. And it just felt like, I don't know, it's just like creating my own brand and just pretending to be someone like pretending to be this really confident amazing music journalist even though I wasn't like I, all my writing was like riddled with spelling mistakes and like it just like swapping between tenses and stuff like if, like if I look back at some of my earlier writings like I cringe so hard um but yeah just getting the confidence it was just it just came quite naturally to me and I think the more you do it the easier it becomes so if anyone is interested in doing it like my advice is just start doing it and just start calling yourself a journalist and people will believe you because I wasn't like working I wasn't getting paid as a journalist I was just sort of going around saying I was a journalist and then eventually just sort of became one (laughs) I think to be honest with you it's the same with any other profession like you start doing it and you have to believe that you are actually doing that because otherwise people oh, yeah. don't believe it like you know how yeah. it is. so you study your own blog and how old were you when I started the blog I was 16 I think okay. and I was in sort of two minds because I didn't know whether to go to university because I studied music journalism at university and I was in two minds I was like do I really need a degree to become a journalist or do I just need to do it and I got in touch with a journalist called Eve Barlow um she used to be I think she was editor at Enemy or she was really high up at Enemy and like some of her writing well, all of her writing is amazing and she was like a big influence on me and I like emailed her and I was like look you don't know me but can I have some advice I'm in two minds about going to uni or not like is it just going to be loads of wasted money or is it actually going to be quite valuable um and she got back to me and didn't really answer my question but was just kind of like if you feel it's right do it if you don't feel it's right don't do it and I was just like Okay, I didn't really answer my question, but also thank you very much for the advice, because in the end, I was like, I do want to go to university, because I I lived in a small town, so it's it very difficult for me to sort of go to shows all the time, so that initial, like, student loan helped me move to a bigger city, which helped me get in with a better crowd and be around more live music, so in that sense, it was a really good stepping stone into the industry. Um, it was Southampton that I was at, which hasn't got the best music scene in the world, um, but it's got a pretty good music scene. But that was like my initial sort of like foot in the door before eventually coming to London and getting really into the music scene here. And so what happened between that stage of your life and where you are now? Because I mean, you're head of PR at uh, yeah. Music Federation, so that's quite a big step. And yes. I, I believe that you're pretty young as well. So that's... Yeah, so I'm 25 in a couple of days. Uh, so put it in your, put it in your calendar. Isn't it? Yeah, I'm not going to say anything, but I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll be in touch then. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so obviously I was working as a journalist and journalist wage, like freelance journalist wage, it wasn't great for me. Um, and it also wasn't a reliable source of income. Um, and I also found a lot of the small amount of money I was making, I was spending on partying with the bands <laughs> so as soon as it was coming into my account it was going straight out again um so yeah and then I saw that 
the, the music federation it was killing moon before and they were hiring for uh, like a press manager to be working uh, across their entire roster and i saw it and i felt really underqualified i was like I haven't really got much PR experience. I'd like dabbled in it a bit freelance, but didn't really have too much experience. But I was just like, fuck it. You know what? I'm going to apply because I feel like as a woman in the industry as well, like we're always told we have to hit every criteria before applying. Whereas men apply for stuff when they only hit like two out of the 10 boxes because they've just got that built-in confidence that they've been taught since birth. So I was like, I'm just going to apply anyway. And I was like, I knew if I got to the interview stage, I would be able to talk my way into the role. And that's exactly what I did. Um, and I still sometimes say, like, oh, I, I was definitely underqualified when I got the job, but I wasn't. And I'm bloody good at my job and I work really hard at it. And so I need to still get out of this mindset that I didn't deserve it because I've it's, I've literally just passed my one year anniversary there and I'm absolutely smashing it. And I need to get that into my head as opposed to I was lucky to get the job. It's like, no, you worked really hard and you got the job. I think you touched on, you know, being a woman and having to prove a lot more and mm-hmm. so never really thinking that you're good enough for a job I feel you so much yeah I'm so happy that now you have social media so you can approach someone who's in the job as you oh, do yeah. and you know ask for advice or mm-hmm. you can just like you know apply to so many different jobs and just go for it and see how it goes and it went well mm-hmm. for you so how how's that going like what are the ways that you're trying to rely on to get into the mindset of you know, I'm good, I deserve it. Do you know what I mean? Like, what, what yeah. do you do? How do you do I it? I mean, I surround myself with it. It's taken me a long time to get out of my own head, for starters, because it's very easy to get in your head. And I think as women, we're told a lot of the time, oh, there's not as many roles for women in music, or there's not, well, any creative industry, like, so we're told that there's only a certain amount of spaces for women. So therefore, women get into this mindset where we have to compete against each other for these roles. It's like, oh, a company's only going to hire like one woman to do this job. And it's so, like, so you feel like you're in competition all the time. Whereas actually, we need to be helping each other out more. And when you're in rooms, you need to be saying women's names in these rooms full of opportunities. So getting out of that mindset of I'm not good enough or I need to compete with other women, you just need to change your mindset. And it's taken me years to change my own mindset on that because I used to get jealous and I'd see other women and I could just, I don't know, I'd just get this sort of envy, but it's like, no, why am I getting envious? We should be working together as opposed to against each other. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. So in terms of your uh, daily life at, at work, you know, what it, what is it like? What do you do exactly? So I head up all of our, and like oversee all of our press and radio campaigns um, so that's all the artists that are signed to us directly and then also our member labels as well. So if they opt in for the promotional services, which most of them do, that I oversee all of their campaigns as well. And then with our artists, when we put them on tours, like we've just had a band that have just finished a, a UK run now, um, getting them like live reviews and like interviews, um, doing the tour promotion. Uh, we work with some festivals as well, which I was helping them with some festival promotion around that, which was super fun because it means I get to go to all the festivals as well. Um, and then also doing promotion for the company as well. So that's dabbles in like B2B uh, publications and the more sort of, I don't want to say intellectual, but the more sort of like nitty gritty side of the industry as opposed to the just bog standard review side. One other thing I wanted to ask you is that I know that you don't just write, you do many different things in your mm-hmm. life and, and career. And one of the things that you've done recently is you put out a charity compilation. 
Yes. I want to know what, what was that about? Because I mean, I heard some bits and pieces from your previous conversation at ICMP at the event, but I yes. want to know a little bit in more detail. Yeah, I think I did a shameless self-plug at the event because it was just coming out like the following week. And I was like, listen to it. Um, but so the New Moons compilation is a compilation that Killing Moon and the Music Federation have been putting out for years. And its aim initially was to champion new music and emerging artists. So like idols were on it before they got big and slaves. So it's, it was a really good platform. But I felt like there was another way we could maybe help and sort of give back as opposed to just giving a platform to small artists I felt like there was something we could do a bit more with it and really sort of like hone in on the narrative so with my one I got in touch with all uh female non-binary LGBTQ plus artists that were all like badass like rock punk and it was amazing uh, and some of them were emerging some of them were established so some of the emerging artists we had like tailgate um, and then we had some bigger artists. So we had like Nova Twins, Amal and the Sniffers, Katie Tunstall got in touch, which was really like a whoa moment. And then, yeah, so got this um, compilation together, released it. And then all of the money made from it all goes to Reclaim These Streets, which is just a really fabulous organization that are just trying to make the streets safer for women, which is crazy that we need organizations and charities to do that because the streets should be safe for women and everyone anyway. And it honestly, it blew me away, the response we had. So we got coverage from like um, Kerrang, Classic Rock, Metal Hammer, Line of Best Fit. Like we got so much coverage from it and it was crazy, like so much support. And a lot of female, it was mainly from female writers as well, which I really, really liked that it was like this huge sort of team of women like coming together. Um, and then like John Kennedy played it on Radio X and was speaking about it on his shows. And it was, yeah, it was absolutely crazy. And I'm in the process of curating the next one as we speak. Uh, so watch this space and hopefully one should be coming out in the next couple of months, but I'm really bad with deadlines. So it might be a bit longer than a couple of months. <laughs> That's super cool. And I think it's, it's, you know, what you were saying, like it's really great to have support from other women. But I think uh -huh. it's even more important to have support from men because oh, you know that this kind of stuff, it tends to attract, you know, people that can relate to it, if you know what yes. I mean. So it's yeah, really yeah. good that you had, you had support from, you know, important men in the, in the yeah, industry as well. Honestly, it was amazing. And I think that's a really important point that you raised. Like, it's amazing to have all the support from women, but you do, like, we do need allies and we do need men to get involved. And yeah, it was, it was upsetting because I did see a couple of, um, when it was shared by some publications, I did see some people, mainly men, commenting, sort of laughing about it and just being like, oh, surely this is sexist and it's all women. And I was like, oh. Yeah, don't get me yeah. started. <laughs> um, but anyway, no, I'm glad that it got, it got a lot of support because it's, it's, it's really special. And it must have been exciting to like curate it. Like, I would love to do that. Oh, it's crazy. And like a lot of the artists on there, like some of my favorite artists as well, like Deep Valley, I have been a fan of for years. They were actually one of the first bands I ever reviewed on my blog that I was chatting about earlier. That's like, amazing. Was, yeah, like I was. Like closing like, a circle. Obsessed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like nicely bookended. Um, but no, it was, it was amazing to be working with the artists and even just sort of emailing them. I was just a bit like fangirling just like oh my god like working with these incredible artists so yeah and we're also in the process of um curating a festival around it so it'll be like a multi-venue festival um which is going to have all female poc minority um performers uh just to keep elevating this platform and just keep giving the stage and the microphone to people who deserve it because the music is amazing and i feel like a lot of amazing artists who aren't who are non-male are shadowed by male artists so i think it's just a case of finding the amazing music and just giving them the platform which i'm more than happy to do all the time 
Absolutely. And I think it's it's even more valuable because you're mainly operating within the punk and rock and kind of like indie scene, which is yes. historically male dominated. Like, yes, 100%. Know. So that's 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 amazing. You made me remember also that I wanted to ask you about the uh, safe space policy, which is something mm-hmm. that you've put in place uh, at the Music Federation. So again, it's something that we all wish we didn't have to, you know, mm-hmm. think of. But can you can you tell me a little bit more, like what it's about and why yeah, sure. was it needed? Yeah. So the safe space policy was something that myself and our live department at the Music Federation came up with. And it's just like we were saying, like, it's so stupid that we need to have this in the first place. But it's just a three part structure of how to make people feel also people, not necessarily women or minorities, but just people feel safer at shows, especially myself as like a woman who goes to a lot of punk and garage and rock gigs. Like I've noticed there has been a big change and I do feel a lot safer in the sort of like mosh environments, but there are some times I'm just like, I don't feel comfortable in this. And still like when you're in these dark, like sweaty rooms and someone touches you, but you don't know who it is because there's just hundreds of people around you. And like, it can be really scary, especially if you're traveling alone. Cause I also love going to gigs on my own. But in the past, I've been put off from going on my own because I'm like, oh, I don't want to get touched up or sexually assaulted because I'll be on my own. And I just basically, I don't want anyone to feel that way. Um, and I'm really lucky in this work environment that I've got now, like if anything were ever to happen, not that it has luckily recently, but if anything were to happen, I would feel so comfortable in talking about this with my colleagues and my friends. And I want other women to feel that way as well so that's the point of the policy is just to do everything in our power as a music company and as a live promoter to make sure we're doing everything to make people feel safe and welcome at our shows and just to say that harassment of any form will not be tolerated what's really important to me personally is the fact that it kind of like legitimates any sort of like harassment that you may be getting so you don't Mm -hmm. minimize it because you're just exposed to it all the time like as women Mm -hmm. we think oh somebody just touched me you know Oh, I just yeah, have to deal with to it. it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and having something like that in place, so having, you know, posters and flyers and just being aware that this is this is a safe place where you, you know, anything happens to you, you can raise it and we will mm-hmm. believe you and do something about it. Yeah. It just makes you feel like, oh, okay, so I'm uncomfortable. I have reasons to be uncomfortable. Yeah. It's all good. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's putting those reminders out to the perpetrators that it's not okay, but then also putting the reminders out to the, I don't like to use the word victim, but I can't think of a better word instead of victim, but like it also reminds the victim that naturally what's happened isn't okay and there are people you can talk to and we will listen and yeah just reminding them that it is that that's what's happened isn't okay and it never will be and you shouldn't it shouldn't happen on such a regular basis that people get used to it because I think so many people are desensitized to it. I was myself for ages I was like oh someone just grabbed my ass as they walked past or someone just wolf whistled me or someone unclipped my bra in a mosh pit and I just got used to it and it it was shit. and I was just like why am I used to this and I don't if I ever have like a daughter I don't want her to go through the same thing I don't want my friends to go through the same thing like so we need to do everything in our power to stop that now and it's like you're saying especially in the punk and the rock scene I think it is quite a problem it's definitely getting better but it is a massive problem still and and this also links to the next thing that I was going to ask you so I know mm-hmm. that you launched your own PR and promotions company that's called yes. Fangirl 
Yes. So you did you did say that word before in a specific context, and I think it's um, there was one bit of the press release of your mm-hmm. um, company that you know I could really really relate to as as a big fan of especially this kind of music like indie and rock and you know growing mm-hmm. up with just male bands you know as yeah. you do. There's one bit, so I'm just gonna read it. It says musicians it. throughout history would have been nothing without the fangirls supporting them. Yet the term fangirl has previously carried negative connotations of these mega-obsessed female fans. But where would musicians be without them? And of course, the link for me is is like immediate to the fact that if you see a female fan, it's already you kind of like sexualize them. It's just mm-hmm. the way it's just the way it is. And I've done it. And sometimes mm-hmm. I do it. I still do yeah. it, even though I'm one of them. It's so bad. Mm-hmm. Like I feel so ashamed. But mm-hmm. it's um. It's so true what you were saying, like, first of all, where would the musicians be without them? And second of all, it's why can we not stop, like, looking at female fans just as, like, groupies? Besides the fact that I don't care if you are, like, if you want to be one, just go for it. There's nothing wrong with it, you know? But why can we not just look at fans as fans without, you know, saying they're female, you know, they're there, they're not wearing a lot of clothes, what are they doing? Maybe they want to hang out with the band, maybe they want to, like, even if, what's the problem, you know? So I love this bit, so I just want to know, yeah, what's your, you know, thoughts? What are your thoughts about this? Well, for me, like, I've always been labelled as a fangirl and also self-labelled myself as a fangirl, because I am, like, and that's literally why I got into music, because of my love for fans. And then when I started working professionally in the music industry, and I still get it now, like, I'll be at shows with artists that I work with or I'm working with or went to go interview, and people always just assume that I'm either the girlfriend or a crazy obsessed fangirl or I'm there to sleep with the band. And it's really damaging, and, like, the whole narrative around it, like, it's so unhealthy, um, and it's been ingrained in our brains, especially in the... I can only really speak about the sort of punk and rock genre because that's the one I know the most, but it's like you have this image of like a bloke on stage with a big guitar and then the girls at the bottom like all like adoring. And I don't know why that's like a, like a negative thing. Like like I said, like the, the girls, the fangirls are the reason the bands get paid. They're the ones buying the tickets. They're the ones buying the merch. And then groupies, like who gives a fuck they want to sleep with a band why does that affect you like I've got absolutely no problem if that's what someone wants to do but the fact that you always or people tend to assume that girls are only there as the girlfriends or like that's their role in music or they're the fangirl like that's their role like that's what's damaging and I like I said I find it hurtful that when I am at these shows that I've put a lot of work into and I work with these bands I've got them this I've got them that I've got them this interview and then people just assume that I'm the fangirl or I'm a groupie or I'm the girlfriend I'm just like no, I'm the professional that's working within this environment and I deserve to be treated with respect. And I'm allowed to be going backstage because I'm the one that's helped put on the show or I'm the one that's working backstage with them. Like, I, I'm not just some crazy fangirl. It's like, it's, yeah, the whole narrative needs to be rewritten. So how do you respond to these kind of like, you know, comments? You know, somebody's like, oh, where are you going? You know, why, why are you following them? Like, are you not allowed there or something? Like, how how do you deal with it now that... I mean, I used to get quite angry about it, but now I just ignore it. Like, if I'm walking past, someone's like, oh, so which one are you with? I'm just like, walk away. Like, I, I honestly, like, I can't anymore. Like, it's, if I, like, so if I'm dying, right, and then my life is flashing before my eyes as I die, I will see the amount of times that someone's come up to me and be like, oh, so which one's your boyfriend? Or which one, like, 
it would be crazy. It'd be like so much of my life would just be like flashing of just people asking me who whose girlfriend am I like? And it's yeah. So it's gotten to the point now where I don't even waste my breath on it. Like, or someone just goes, which girlfriend are you? It's like, excuse me, like which one's boyfriend are you? Like, yeah, rightly so. Yeah, yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. Which boyfriends just are you? Yeah. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Which one just, are you? Just ask the same question. Yeah. To them. Yeah, because oh, it's, it's yeah. so weird when you turn it around that way. And they, I know that people will be like, wait, what? Like, why are you asking me that? It's like, well, why are you asking me that? Like, I'm here to do a job. I don't come into your offices and start asking you who you're dating. Like, so why come into my space of work and ask me which one I'm dating? Like, I just, I think this is a, such a horrible way that we're seen, like, women are seen as the sort of the band sort of fuck pieces on the side. It's like, no, they're the ones actually driving this. They're the ones powering this. They're the ones working behind the scenes. And they deserve to the respect that they've earned as opposed to just being seen there to go sleep with the band afterwards because no but then on the flip side if girls are there just to sleep with the bands I don't care as well like if that's what they want to do that's fine but it's just the assuming that that is the female role in music still and it's not the role it never really was it's just people were told that but it's definitely not at the moment and it never will be like women work hard they work work a lot harder than men to get to their points because of all the barriers in their way so yeah they deserve a lot more respect than they're given I think this is also part of a bigger conversation where a lot of roles within the music industry are not really seen by the public as real work Mm -hmm. I think there's also that misconception and I think plus if you're a woman it's just a joke, basically. So mm-hmm. it's, yeah, no, I, 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 I agree with what you're saying, definitely. And yeah. um, this is also connected to this, because of course, as I was saying, I've been stalking you and yes. I've been following <laughs> you on social media and um, really enjoying everything that you share and just the way that you like communicate. And I found that everything was really, there was no filter, you know, you yes. really come across as, you know, you're coming across now, like you, mm-hmm. like what you see is what you get, which is brilliant. Yeah. I just want to know how... Because you must have thought about this, like how does this fit with your career? I'm just going to mm-hmm. explain myself a little bit better. Go for it. I um, personally as well, I'm, I'm always overthinking and really, really self-aware of anything that I put online, mm-hmm. whether it's a selfie, as we all do, whether it's, you know, yep. sharing that one song that you think maybe, you know, it's not cool enough, whatever, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, any little thing that you may think of in terms of what are people thinking about me? Do they think mm-hmm. I'm cool? Do they think I deserve where I am? Do you think, you know, I'm, I'm capable of getting where I want to go, whatever, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to, you know, the professional side and career mm-hmm. side. So yeah, how do you do it? Like, how do you just don't care and, and just be yourself like, I don't think it's just because you've got a job and you're 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 confident that that's going to be your job forever. I think it's just the mindset that you yeah. that you're in. So how did you do it? Well, I mean, I've not always been like that. I used to be like you were just explaining. Like, I used to get really nervous about stuff and it's like, oh, shall I post this? Shall I not? How's this going to affect me? Like, what's going to be the outcome? Blah blah blah. And I used to get really nervous about it. And then it's like one day I just stopped caring. And I think as long as you're not hurting anyone in the process, I don't really think you should give a fuck about what you do and what you post as long as like I said no one's getting hurt or it's not unkind then it's fine and I've got into this mindset as well so if someone doesn't like it they don't have to look at it like they can unfollow me and like with my brand and my company I want it to be like true to my sort of authentic self and like I think people see straight through like fake online presences as well is that a word presences presence Presence? Yeah, presence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. It is now. I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. fine. I mean, you're yeah, talking yeah. to an Italian here, so go ahead. Okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah, I think people see through that quite a lot, and I am 
I mean, part of my job role as well is like I'm always at these gigs and always networking. I'm always out afterwards and it is part of my job role. And at the moment, I really do feel like I'm in a really nice place and living my best life. And I like to share that. And it matches the brand as well of being a fangirl. Like I'm out at these shows all the time. Like some of the bands I work with, like I was fans of them before I even started working with them. So it's still like a dream come true that I get to go to their shows and like, I don't, and like I said earlier as well, like I don't embarrass easy. So like I'll go to these shows and I'll be like, I don't mind going to the front and dancing and whatever, like still being that fangirl. And that's what I like to portray on my social media. And I do think you do need to be careful as well. Like you have to be careful what you post because when they say, I remember my dad used to say to me like, once you posted it, it's out there forever. And I just think like, yeah, whatever. But it is true. I know you can hide stuff from your social media, but it is always there and it can always come back to bite you on the ass. So I think as long as you're, like I said, you're not hurting anyone in the process, you're not being unkind, you should just do whatever you want. And especially if you're starting your own business, like it should be authentic to your true self because people see straight through the bullshit. No, definitely. I think for me, especially this was, this has always been really scary because when, you know, you're looking to, you know, you're applying for jobs, you're looking for, you know, to find a new job because you're unhappy, mm-hmm. whatever you want to change your career, whatever the reason. I know that people would just go straight onto social media and check you out. Yeah. So for example, the majority of my accounts are private. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So I guess with you, it just made sense because of your own brand, because you started out as a journalist and all that. But I think it still makes sense, even though you're employed, because I guess yes. you work in an environment that's that's not judgmental. And yeah, I mean, I, luckily, the people I work with are amazing and really good friends of mine as well. And I'm lucky that I've got my job and I'm sort of developing this personal brand around myself. But like you said, like when I mean, when I have been hiring and been interviewing, like as soon as I get off that Zoom call, like straight away, I'm like, right, I'm going to find them on Instagram. I'm going to find them on LinkedIn. I'm going to go. Actually, LinkedIn is the one that I is. try and avoid. Well, yeah, but li- I try and avoid LinkedIn because, you know, people get the little notifications saying like someone's viewed your yeah, profile. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing. Um, but yeah, always but like employers always do a big stalk. And I think as long as you're coming across in a way that you're happy coming across, that's fine. And not that I'm looking for a job now, but if I were to be looking for a role, I and I would feel comfortable with an employer seeing my social media presence because that is me and if they don't like that or they're not comfortable with that then it's probably not the right employer that I should be working with anyway so I think yeah just remaining authentic to yourself is just the best way to do anything but I know that that's quite rich coming from me because I've got a job so I and also know like when you're looking for a job it can be like a lot easier to sort of mold yourself to fit it um but yeah just staying true to yourself is the most important thing I think it's great advice because I think we are taught to think that we have to be liked by everyone and we mm-hmm. have to be that perfect stereotype of, you know, mm-hmm. the amazing worker who's always on yeah. time, whatever, works really hard, blah, blah, blah. And I think there's nothing wrong with what you were saying actually is amazing. Like, you know, if they don't like how I behave on social media, this is who I am. I go to gigs, yeah. you know, I stay out late. I'm always yeah. hanging out with bands. This is my life. Yeah. This is what I'm into. I take selfies, whatever. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't be working for you. And that's such a yeah. great way to see it. And everything I'm doing at the moment, I'm having so much fun. I'm surrounded by such an amazing network of people. I'm hanging out with like some of the nicest bands in the world. And I really feel like these are going to be some of the best days of my life. And why should I not be able to document that? Like, literally, like, I remember, like, growing up and I would have, like, all these, like, my parents have, like, folders and folders of, like, baby photos. And that's okay. Or, like, photos of them when they were, like, younger, but like, Polaroids and whatever. But then when someone's got a busy Instagram feed, they're like, oh, but you post too much. And it was like, well, no, it's just doing what everyone else has done. But instead of physical copies, it's just all on a social media feed. So I don't think it's any different to the way the world has been before. But I, yeah, I'm just enjoying documenting all the amazing times I'm having and I'm not going to stop. No, don't. 
It's no, great. Never. It's really enjoyable <laughs> as well. So yeah, keep doing it. Let's say, let's talk about advice because um, you've touched on being, you know, confident and knowing that you're doing a great job and like you've, you've got to a really good point, I think, in terms of like mm-hmm. your self-development as well. But let's mm-hmm. say someone who's not that, you know, confident and maybe they're starting out and they don't know mm-hmm. where to go to. Just in general, like especially being a woman in a, you know, male-dominated industry as the music industry still sadly is. Yeah. What what do you think is the best way to cut through that noise and just be authentic, but also mm-hmm. like find that confidence? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say kindness is something that the music industry is really lacking. Kindness and honesty. Um, and I think that they're two values that I value very, very highly and something that I think is very important and more people need to do. Um, so I think being kind and honest and surrounding yourself by lots of other strong women as well, because I really feel like when we club together that's when we get the better results um so yeah surrounding yourself with good networks if you don't have the confidence like fake it and it will come naturally um another thing that I learned from a friend of mine um who was a musician who still is a musician um they didn't like sending out emails from their musician account so they made like a, an email address with like a fake name as like a manager and would send emails as the manager but it would just be them so like I love even ways, yeah, 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 and it works as well. Like it really does work. The only thing you have to be careful about is if they go like, yeah, let's meet up for beers, and you'd be like, oh, the manager doesn't <laughs> exist. Yeah, but yeah, so like literally faking it until you make it, and it it will come. And people shouldn't be nervous getting into the industry because it is worth getting into. And yeah, just supporting women and minorities where you can, and just being kind to everyone on the way up because you'll see them again on the way down. And these are the people that you will be working with forever. Um, and then another bit of advice that. I always like to give I was giving it to a student the other day they were like oh, what advice do you have to someone getting in the music industry and it's always carry a lighter because even if you don't smoke always 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 carry a lighter because <laughs> it is honestly it is the best conversation starter in the world like you see someone rolling a cigarette or going out for a cigarette and you want to talk to them just go up be like oh do you want a lighter and like bam straight away you're in and you've got that conversation so always 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 carry a lighter because so, it is the best way to start a conversation. So maybe good advice for bands and artists, make your own lighters, you know, yes, as part yeah. of your merch. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've, I've seen that as well. I've got loads of um, lighters that are band merch. That, they've all run out, but I've still got them. Because honestly, I think it's so cool. Like, definitely do that. Um, but yeah, always carry a lighter because it is the best conversation starter. And also, like, smokers are always a bit more chilled, I find. So, like, if you want to go and chat to someone, just go off and off with them a lighter and then, bam, you're in there straight away. But don't smoke because it's bad for you. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was going to get there. Okay. Yeah, a little disclaimer, don't smoke. <laughs>